everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports. We're brought to you by the fine folks at Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Burlington. Way nicer than Carnoustie or any of those other cow pastures where they play the British Open. See some of these places where they play the British Open? Oh, my God. They're ugly. I don't care if it's the birthplace of golf. Crosswinds is way more beautiful, way more affordable, too. And no pot bunkers. Go to crosswindsgolf.com and check out their specials. Great spot. Today on the show, who here thinks DeMar DeRozan is better than Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> Not me. Now look, DeRozan was a hell of a player and a fine fellow and all that and loyal, but he never lived up to my expectations. And besides, Kawhi Leonard's a top five player. And we got Danny Green, too. It's a steal for Jerry, a steal. Also, when is the Canadian Football League going to learn and take advantage of baseball's All-Star Week by scheduling a bunch of games? Once again, they missed the boats. There's nothing going on except for a frickin' home run derby. And hey, I'll talk with former Blue Jay Jason Grilly about his all-star experience and what it was like growing up as a Jays fan. And Brandon Bridge of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is the nicest guy in the world. I'll tell you why. I'll give you a hint. He's Canadian. We're the best. First, a big hello to my friend Toronto Mike. He held down the fort while I was on a business trip to New England. <laughs> a business trip. Well, sports is my business, and business is good. And I wanted to take a great trip. How you doing? No, good to see you. You were missed. Uh, when big things happened, there was a, a little trade you might have heard about yeah. the Toronto Raptors. I was thinking, what does Hebsey think? Like, I was like, I wished you were here so I could hear your thoughts on well, the big trade. In actual fact, I couldn't have given you much because the trade wasn't complete yet. We Everyone thought about it. Well, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on because today there was a lot, you know, some happenings going on and that. But but I should tell you that the plan of the trip was we we're going to go see the Jays against the Red Sox, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Vladdy was going to be there, get in some great golf, see a couple of fantastic concerts, go see New England. And uh, it all worked out beautifully, except we didn't make the Jays game on the Sunday because we had left, instead of leaving Saturday, we had left on Sunday like 4.30 in the morning. Now, eight and a half hours, really, if you've ever driven to Boston, eight and a half hours, you should be able to do it in eight and a half hours. We left at 4.30, the game was at 105, eight and a half hours, right? You know, and you're leaving at 4.30 in the morning, you can take some liberties on the roads, or so we thought. P.S., we didn't realize that in, in Western Massachusetts, or whatever you call that stupid state, on the Mass Pike, the Massachusetts Turnpike, they have an air show about 11 o'clock in the morning. And you're zipping, we're heading to Boston, we're making great time. And at about 11, 10, 30 or 11, all of a sudden we see these planes flying over the highway and people literally stopping. You're going 55 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. They're like literally stopping their cars. On the highway, in the middle of the road, to watch these planes go by. Whoever comes up with the idea of having planes, uh, an air show, flying over a highway, duh. <laughs> Stupid. So guess what happened? People started pulling their cars over to the side of the road, stopping yeah. their cars, slowing down, stop and go, stop and go. It took about an hour and a half to get through there. We're, you know, and by the time that happened, we were not going to make the Red Sox game at all. Oh, it's horrible. So we didn't make the Red Sox game, but, but that's okay. We saw Beck that night at the Blue Hills Bank Pavilion. Amazing. Never, never seen Beck before. Never. Fabulous. Was he good? Really good. What a show. Tremendous. And he's right downtown in the harbor there, the harbor in Boston. Uh, saw some Jays fans there, uh, you know, lingering. I guess they couldn't get out of Boston or they didn't want to. They stuck around that night. Right. And downtown Boston's pretty cool, but uh, the traffic's terrible. You can't park. Lots of restaurants. Lots of sea fish. Lots of chowder. Monday, we play golf. It's 100 degrees. None of this, you know, 38 Celsius, whatever. Down there, 100. It's 100. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot. A hundred degrees. I lost five bucks and I lost uh, two golf balls. And then that night I fell asleep watching the home run derby because I don't even know who won it. And I was like, 
And this leads me to, I'll talk about later, why there's... Bryce Harper won it. Why there wasn't something else going on in sports. Why does everything stop for this uh, for the baseball all-star break? I'll get to that. Next day, Tuesday, we play a, a club called Woodland Country Club in Auburndale, Massachusetts. I mean, I think you've got to be worth between 15 and $20 million just to get in the door of this place. Really nice golf course. But for what it costs to play around there as a guest, you could play five rounds at Crosswinds. And, and Crosswinds is a great golf course. And this is like an exclusive, you know, exclusively exclusive. They don't like guests there. They don't want to have guests there because guests take up too much room and the members get upset. Who's that? Is he a member? No, they're guests. So they don't like that. So they charge a fortune. So if you want to bring guests, you have to go with a member. It's like an arm and a leg in U.S. funds. Another 35%, 30, 35% was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was great. Um, I won 10 bucks. I lost three balls. I think I won 10 bucks from a billionaire. The guy I was playing with. Oh, that's funny. I'm pretty sure he was a billionaire. That's less guy. than a penny for that billionaire. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I was really, it, it felt good to take 10 bucks from the guy. <laughs> uh, and then we stayed at, at uh, my friend, like I travel with my buddy Jeff. The, the idea was this. Jeff loves baseball. Jeff loves concerts. We have the same taste in music and in sports. We get along very well. We've been friends for a long time. And basically you just say to the wives, look, you guys go and do whatever you know you want to do for four or five days. Go up north, go for a spa, whatever. We're going to go on this baseball and and music and driving trip and sightseeing. It really does sound like an ideal trip. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was great. Then we go to Manchester, New Hampshire. It's about an hour from where we were staying. We were staying in Wellesley, Massachusetts. The average home price, $4 million. Average home price. Spectacular. Like 10 minutes from downtown Boston. So we drive an hour to Manchester, New Hampshire. We go see the New Hampshire Fishercats. Okay? They play at Northwest Delta Dental Stadium which holds about 6,500 people. Beautiful. Light, nice ballpark. Right on the river. Right on the river. Beautiful setting. Gorgeous. No Vladdy. He's still in Florida. We're expecting him. We're waiting. Where's Vladdy? We get to see Kavan Biggio, who plays second base, and Bo Bichette, who plays shortstop. These are the Jays of the future. It's amazing how many Jays of the futures are the sons of former major league yeah, players. <laughs> it's amazing, them, right? yeah. yeah it's three a, right there. But uh, you know what? That's that is that is the way it's going to be. I mean, go back to the days of you know Barry Bonds and his father Bobby Bonds. That was really or the Ken first. Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey, right? Oh well, yeah, but Barry Bonds, Bonds, first, Bonds yeah. a little first. But I'm saying that was the generation really that started to produce the sons of major league players. There was a generation before, not as many, but it's just it, they have they have so many more opportunities. You can tell that these. I mean, Biggio looks just like his dad. He's got a five-gallon uh, hat, a five-gallon head, and a ten-gallon hat. His helmet always looks way too big for him, like Gazoo. Remember the great Gazoo? Had of that course. Big helmet head. Of course. But anyway, they, these guys are the future. I mean, Biggio's twenty-three; he's a college kid, and Bichette's twenty years old. Vladdy's nineteen. Yeah. All right, we could have the youngest team in baseball in a couple of years. The other good thing was that I love about New ha- this ballpark is all you got to do is tell me you're from Toronto. Like I just said, look, I'm from Toronto. And uh, media, like I'm looking for the media parking lot. The guy sees the Ontario plates on Jeff's car. Yeah, oh yeah, right here. Park right here in the player's parking lot. That's sweet. And then I go to the gate, and there were some tickets left that, that we had to pay for. Like I called the PR guy, and he said, well, I can't give you free tickets or whatever. And I said, that's fine. I'm more than happy to pay for a good seat. It can't be that expensive. Not. Right? He says, you know, there were $14 tickets. I'll give them to you for 12 bucks. So we're going to go to the box office to get our $12 tickets, right? And then we just said to this attendant, look, we're from Toronto. We're media. How do we go? And he just lets us in. She awesome. Says, she says, go on up the stairs, go here, and off you go. And so we had the pick of the litter. We sat in the bleachers. It was great. And, uh, you know, bought a program, bought a couple of hats, bought some dogs, bought some beers. Fabulous. No, no Vladdy. Okay. We, so we sit, we watch a doubleheader. They split the doubleheader. 
And then, and then as we're leaving the ballpark, we find out that Vladdy's coming the next day. Oh, man. Vladdy's going to be there the next day. We miss him by a day. And then we drive 45 minutes to Greenland, New Hampshire. Greenland. It's near Portsmouth. It's on the Atlantic Ocean, near the main border. And Jeff's buddy, uh, Dave, and his wife, MJ, uh, invited us to stay there. Uh, she's from Ottawa. Lovely people. Big, big hockey fans, right? Big Los Lobos fans, too. We go to see Los Lobos. We hang out with the guys after the show. We drink beer. We have a good night's sleep at uh, Dave and MJ's. And then the next day, we hit the road for a 10-hour drive. We drive through New Hampshire, through Vermont, and through Upper New York State. Beautiful. In the Adirondacks, the White Mountains, the Green Mountains. Just spectacular. Heaven. Let's remind people that the theme song to Hebsey on Sports is from Los Lobos. That's right. It's called Do the Murray. Do the Murray. Used with, used with permission, as they like to say. Yeah, the guys were really great. They See, they opened for Bruce Hornsby. So as the opening act, you only play like an hour. Well, they played a solid hour, let me tell you. Yeah, I saw them open for Neil Young like a couple years ago. Yeah, in uh, London. Yeah, I saw him here. Uh, so I'm here. You saw ACC, them? ACC, I'd saw say. Them open for uh, Neil Los Young Lobos opened for Neil Young. At the ACC? At the ACC, yeah. Really? I, yeah, a couple years ago. I don't recall ago. that. Really? I don't recall Randy that. Bachman came on stage How about to, do, that? Uh, to do a song. Yeah. How about that? Anyway, uh, we had a great holiday. We had two ball games, a doubleheader. We didn't get to the Jays game. Two rounds of golf, two concerts, many great meals with lovely people. They welcomed us into their homes. Perfect weather, outstanding scenery. Highly recommended. Nice little bucket list trip. Go see some minor league ball. Go see some beauty, some scenery. Take the scenic route. Don't go on the expressway. Don't go on the mass turnpike. <laughs> Don't go on the New York State Thruway. Like, it's boring. Um, so, and by the way, we got all our tickets at uh, Seat Giant. SeatGiant.ca because I want to pay in Canadian funds. I don't want to know how much it is in U.S. I need to know in Canadian. So when you want tickets to any event anywhere, just go to SeatGiant.ca and upon checkout, put in Hebsy in the promo code. H-E-B-S-Y. And if you do that, you're going to receive 5% off your order, and then they're going to kick 5% to me so I can wet my whistle. You know what I mean? Help pay for the production. Everybody wins. It helps. It helps everyone. And help a guy out. I mean, help out. You know, podcasting is not like your regular broadcast. So help us out. Seatgiant.ca. I expected a lot from DeMar DeRozan when the Jays drafted him. I understood he was just a kid, 18, 19 years old, played one year, one year, one year at USC. Played a freshman year. So I knew it was going to take time. And when the critics were, you know, in the early years when he was struggling, yeah, no, I said, this guy's going to be a good player. I never said he was going to be fantastic. I expected him. I expected him to be a good player. I expected him to be a great player, quite frankly. Ninth pick overall. He had every opportunity and he failed to deliver the playoffs. And ultimately, that's why Masaya Jury had to trade him away. The same way he had to get rid of Dwayne Casey because it just wasn't going to work. You couldn't go into next season with Casey as your coach and with DeMar as your go-to guy. Your loyalty is to winning. You couldn't come back with the same team. You got to start fresh, and he did. Nick Nurse at the helm, and a future Hall of Famer in Kawhi Leonard, and a solid three-point shooting specialist and great defensive player, Danny Green at the two-guard. He's going to put some time in at the two-guard. I mean, this guy is, a, first of all, he's a better defender than DeRozan, and as much as I liked DeMar, and he was a nice guy and the loyalty thing and all that, you know, he's going to be 29 in a few days. Green's only 31. Mm-hmm. And DeMar could never shoot the three. From the first time I saw I said, this guy's not a three-point shooter. This guy is the best mid-range jump shooter. Not Kevin Durant from three. He's a fantastic mid-range jump shooter. From any part of the court, I'm going to say that DeMar DeRozan is one of the top three mid-range jump shooters. Okay, but we rented a player for a year, right? This, is a, this window is one year long. One you, year long. You, you don't know. We you don't know. know. We but don't you do know, know this, but you do know this. Yeah. When you've got a chance in any sport to get a top five player, 
Now, John Tavares, yeah. and John Tavares is a wonderful player. Yeah. John Tavares was not a top five player. Maybe a top 10 player. Maybe a top, not top five. Right. When you're listing the five best players in the league. John wasn't one of the top five. Best eight? I don't know, you know, whatever your list is. This guy's a top five. Yeah. Eight, number one, he won a championship and he was a finals MVP. Number two, he's sought after, not as sought after because of his injury and because of his apparent laissez-faire attitude working under Greg Popovich, right? And uh, so he was available. If I would have told you last week, last year, you can get Kawhi Leonard, what, what are you going to say? We don't want him? No. Uh, are you kidding me? No, you're absolutely right. If you can get a top five guy, you got to do it. Right. What I like about this trade is that you can put forward great arguments as to why this is a fantastic trade for fantastic the Raptors. Fantastic trade. But you can put forward a pretty good argument as to why this is a terrible trade. Never. You never. can never convince me of that. <laughs> Tell me one person out there who went, if we can get DeMar DeRozan, we're going to win a championship. It's not a black and white thing. Yes. Uh, no, I hear you. This is an upgrade. We have a better player today than we had last week. We have that, a better team. A better team. You're right. Now, next wait, wait, season, wait. If, if he's healthy and if he gives a crap and does his best. You're right. I'm excited about next season, but I'm also pretty confident he's going to go to L.A. after this next season so, and play with so LeBron. So maybe you flip him to L.A.? I don't know. I don't know what kind of a deal. All, all I know is this. But, Masai Ujiri was under the gun. Masai Ujiri could not. Look, someone says to you, here's your job, okay? We're going to give you five years, seven years, whatever it is. You're going to build a championship team. I don't care how you get there, but if you don't have a championship team for us in seven years, you're gone. Right? Your predecessors couldn't do it. So he's under the gun. He's under big pressure. His mandate is to win a championship. Not to win. To win a championship. And with the team he had last year, 59 wins aside, poor playoff performance. Forget the LeBron factor. They didn't do it. Coach got to go. Best player got to go. You got a chance to get a top five player in any era of basketball. You got a chance to get a top five player, you go for it. You want to win a championship? You got to have a top five player. Jay's, the Raptors did not have a top five player in DeMar DeRozan. They're going to have one with Kawhi Leonard. It's really simple. And take the emotion out of it. And take the fact that, oh, Kawhi Leonard doesn't like Toronto and DeMar loved Toronto and he was loyal. Loyalty in sports nowadays? Come on. What's loyalty? John Tavares cried because he couldn't stay with the Islanders. He could have stayed with the Islanders if he wanted to be loyal, if that's the way he looked at it, but he didn't. He took the deal in Toronto, and he cried about it, and it was tough for him. Sure, it's tough for all of us. As a fan, I don't care about that. It's clinical with me, all right? It's surgical. Win a championship. You got to hurt some feelings? I'm sorry. I want a championship. I don't care if there's bruised egos out there. Just get me the right guys, and let's go for it. And in any sport, if you've got a top, top player available, grab it, because you're going to lose your job if you don't win a championship. That makes sense to you? Sold. Right. So let's go for it. It's going to be an awesome season. It's going to be bigger than... This will be bigger than Tavares. Bigger. Do you realize when we started Hebsey on sports, which is not that long ago, uh, there was no John Tavares in Toronto. That's right. And there was no Kawhi Leonard. This is... uh, I think it's you, man. This is a whole different sports uh, climate now. I'm looking at our... I'm looking at the rosters of both teams and I'm salivating. I'm I'm looking now at the Raptors roster. I'm going JV, Ibaka... 
Kawhi Leonard, Lowry, Green, OG, Siakam, Van Vliet. OG, and you never gave up. Right? That's the thing. You never Van had Vliet, to give up OG. You gave up Hurdle, and you yeah. gave up DeMar. And the yeah. only reason... And protected re- pick. And uh, by the way, uh, San Antonio's going to send, I think, about $5.5 million towards Toronto, because Toronto's going to get hit with a tax. Oh. And they knew about it, so that's part of the deal as well. Not that it should make a difference between me and you. But, I mean, that. the other thing was... San Antonio wanted to have a, 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 a good player, a really good player that was under contract for a long period of time. And this is where the DeMar situation, where Azuri during his press conference said, listen, I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. It's my mistake. He, perhaps I misled him. And maybe DeMar thought, hey, when Azuri asked him about the future, that DeMar took that as being that he wasn't going to get traded. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, there, feelings were hurt. And he, I guess you figure if you sign a long-term contract, seven years, right? You're going to... Stay there for seven years. Uh Uh-uh. San Antonio wanted, that's what they were looking for. That's why DeMar was the key guy. They have a player under team control for seven years. And he's an all-star. He's he's a great player. And he's going to be 29. So, hey, nothing wrong with that at all. Wow. Can't wait for the seasons to start. Can't wait. For decades, I've told the Canadian Football League, if they want to introduce their game, the Canadian football game, to more fans, they should schedule games before, during, and after baseball's all-star game. Monday night was the home run derby. Remember in baseball, the only time you, there's four consecutive days off of no baseball, with the exception of the game itself, which is, you know, a circus. You could probably, you know, you could probably record it. You've got an opportunity, a rare opportunity, to get your game out there while baseball's on hiatus. It doesn't work that way in any other sport. You're not going to introduce football during, or another sport during the middle of the week and affect NFL football. They're not on Wednesdays anyway. But in this case here, you can alter your schedule in the summer, in the middle of the summer. Say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a Monday night game in Saskatchewan or in Hamilton. And it's going to be blah, blah, blah night. And people are going to, and it's going to be on ESPN2 in the States. And, you know, we're going to hype it because the only thing it's up against is the home run derby. And guess who has that? Our competitor in Canada, that other sports network, the one that starts with S. Okay, owned by the one that starts with R. Right. You know that. So why, why, why every year when I say schedule a game Monday, schedule a game Wednesday, okay, even if you don't have it on the night of the All-Star game, schedule one for Monday, one for Wednesday. Last night, Thursday, they had a game. Hamilton, Saskatchewan. That's it. One game of the CFL scheduled in four days where there's no Major League Baseball. While well, all those San Diego Padres fans and all those Atlanta Braves fans and all of them have nothing. To, what am I going to watch tonight, Marge? I don't know. Hey, there's some football. No kidding. Football? Really? In July? Where? What do you mean? The college camps have started already? Two-a-day training camp? No. It's the Canadian Football League, Ed. Did you not hear about the Canadian <laughs> Football League? Yay. It's football, except you get three downs for 10 yards. The field's wider. They got a thing called a rouge. Other than that, it's the same game. Oh, yeah, well, how do I know the players? They all played college football in the States, except for like a eight or 10 of them. All the quarterbacks are American, except for this one guy. We'll get into that, too. But I'm just saying that, I mean, every year I went through it, and the excuses I heard were ridiculous. Well, people don't go out to football games on Mondays and Tuesdays. Well, schedule a game one week. you got 18 weeks in the season. Who are you going to hurt? Someone's going to go, oh, a Monday night in July? I can't make that. I mean, that's my busiest time of the year, said no one. (laughs) Right? Stop making so much sense, Hebsey. Ridiculous. Anyway, um... Brandon Bridge is the quarterback I'm talking about, the Canadian quarterback. See, that's the other thing is, what, can, what red-blooded Canadian kid says, I want to be a quarterback in the CFL, right? Any other dream you could have, I want to be a pitcher in Major League Baseball, you got a better chance. you got a better chance of any other sport. Yeah. Except for CFL, if you're a quarterback. 
right? If you want to play offensive line, beautiful. CFL is for you if you're a football player. But you're a quarterback, no chance. You got, you've got no chance at all, none whatsoever. So Brandon Bridge from Mississauga, right, uh, is playing as the – well, I'm, as of the other day, he was the co-starting quarterback with Saskatchewan. They weren't sure if he was a starter or not. But uh, he did a great job against the Hamilton Ticats. Uh, they won in Hamilton in the only CFL game of the week. And and he, um, prior to that, like a week ago, he had done this phenomenal deed where he's now a, a, a legend. He, he was a legend in Regina and amongst Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans before he ever threw a CFL touchdown pass. Brandon Bridge. So here's the story. Quote, I was still shaking. I was so nervous, said 10-year-old football fan Carter Allen Kuntz. The Kuntz family had gathered Tuesday night at a Regina restaurant. When Bridge, his girlfriend, and offensive lineman Josiah St. John entered the restaurant to place a takeout order, heads started to turn. Me and my cousin Dylan were like, should we go over and get an autograph or stay here? Carter recalled. Eventually, the boys mustered enough courage and got their wish, while their grandmother, Marnie, shared a heartfelt conversation with the quarterback known as Air Canada. That's Brandon Bridge's nickname. Not Vince Carter anymore. Air Canada's Brandon Bridge. In nearly 50 years of following the green and white Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Marnie Kuntz had never had such a personal interaction with one of their players. She thought it pleasant. However, the interaction didn't end there. It turned out that Brandon Bridge picked up the tab for the entire family. Oh, oh what, four people? No, 30 people. 30 people picked up the tab. Is he big enough to do that? Hang on. So you just ruined it right there. <laughs> oh, I'm I mean, so that's sorry. the beauty. I, he probably had to go into his line of credit on his home. <laughs> he walked out, and we were just kind of standing there with our mouth open because we were in shock. Kuntz added, we did not expect that. But the family plans to pay it forward. The Kuntz family is doing a collection, and we're going to donate it to the food bank in Brandon Bridge's name. We really appreciate what he did. So how about that? That's a nice All story. All the stories you hear about, I don't like this and whatever. And this is a class act. Not only that, like you say, Mike, I mean, how much could he be making? Is he making $60,000 a year? He's not Rocket Ishmael. He's, right? He's, is, he, I don't know, is he making 100000 Probably not. I don't think so. I'm going to say, you know, sixty, maybe 70000 maybe, maybe not even that. Wow. To play, you know, eight months of football. Picks up the tab for 30 people. Okay? Even, even if it's $10 a person and prices are really cheap in Regina and they didn't drink any alcohol or have any desserts. All right, it's got to be five, six hundred bucks, minimum. At least. Minimum. That's over a thousand dollars he spent. I don't know what the type of restaurant it was, and I don't know what the prices are like, but still, the Good. dude is going for takeout with his girlfriend and his buddy, and he picks up the tap for 30 people because they came over, introduced themselves, and got autographs. May I just say, though, Brandon Bridge is a great name. I think Isn't that's that a, a great fantastic name. name? <laughs> so kudos to Brandon Bridge, because I mean, I just think that's such a great story. I really like this guy. And, and then, you know, like I said, a, a week after doing uh, that good deed, he throws his first CFL touchdown pass, leading the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to a victory at 31-20 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the one game, a Thursday night game. Like, uh, you know, after three days of baseball, what did they hit, 20 home runs in that All-Star game? It's un- to me, it's unwatchable after a while. I-, I didn't want to wait up for three hours just to watch Jay Happ pitch an inning and get a save. It wasn't just, you know, and we've been saying all along, Mike, is that um, baseball now, the number, the percentage of balls in play is the lowest in the history of the game. There's either strikeouts, home runs, or walks. Not enough balls in play. I did not watch the All-Star game, but I did hear that the first seven innings were a super snooze fest, like a super pitcher-dominated snooze fest. Yeah. 
So lots of strength. All the more reason to introduce a new show. I'm sure somewhere someone said, you know what? Now's the time during primetime. Let's introduce our new, let's roll out the ABC summer lineup or let's Netflix. Somebody came, somebody had to be smart enough to take advantage of four days of no baseball and gotten somewhere in there. Instead, hey, we're at the bar in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, overlooking uh, the coast of Maine, and there's the Red Sox game is on. And I went, wait, the Red Sox Braves. And I'm going, wait a minute. This is the All Star break. There's no, there's no game on. And they're, and they're just showing, and people are watching. They're just like yeah. out of the corner of their eye. Oh, the ball game's on. What's happening with the Red Sox? Have, the Red Sox are vacationing, buddy. It's the all-star break. <laughs> How did you not know that? Because there's no football on TV. Because the Canadian Football League didn't schedule any games. So stations are running repeats. Repeats of games. Oh. Madness. I have a question, Hepsi. I remember growing up that it was, you had a, a, the day of the, the home run derby day, then you had the all-star game, and then you had a day off, and then they were back at it. So it was three Back days. at it on the Thursday, right. Now when did the fourth player, day Players show Association. Up? Players Association. How long travel, ago? Travel Players Association. Okay. Hmm. You know, because play. they didn't have enough time when they, the players who did not make the all-star game needed more time to go to an island or whatever. Well, also, just remember... What the Jays did with uh, Ryan Barucki, for example, was, okay, let's see, we've got four days off. We put him on the 10-day DL, right? He misses one start. He throws on the side. He comes back after as the fifth game after the All-Star break, and we get to put him on the 10-day DL, and he doesn't miss anything. So you combine. That's another thing. Is it's, uh, it's just creative accounting. Combine the four-day All-Star break with six days of inactivity, and you got a guy on a 10-day DL. Beautiful. So that's what they did there. And they're even talking right now, saying, let's just dismantle the Jays team so that the team next year, is they're all under 30. Maybe a couple guys that are 30 or 31, but generally they're all young guys. And then in a couple more years, the fellas I mentioned, uh, Bichette, Vladdy Jr., Biggio, Smith Jr., Anthony Alfred, are all up at the team. And then the average age is like 26, right? That's what you're going to have with the Jays. While the Raptors and the Leafs are making runs for championships, this year, next year, who knows? The Jays have got to you know, look towards the future. So why not break it all down? Now, you can't do anything with Donaldson. He's on the DL. He's fragile, like the Yes album, you know, the roundabout. You, you, I mean, you've got Hap, of course. You've got Estrada, I guess. You know, who else out there? You want to keep the young guys, the guys that are under player control, on team control. And the other ones are all, you know, whoever you want. Right, somebody want Granderson? Come on, let's go. So let's have the fire sale. Get rid of the old guys. Thanks for coming out. Right, all the pitching staff, all the, all the guys. Oh, Axford, uh, Clippard. Get oh, all, all all of them. Off you go, and we'll just have a bunch of kids, and we'll and we'll do some work there. So I ran into um, Jason Grilly recently. Speaking of uh, <laughs> old guys, he didn't pitch this year. He pitched last year in 2017. That was it. Saw him at the uh, Robbie Alomar Golf Tournament a while back, and and um, he wasn't aware, but I knew his dad, Steve. Steve was a, a, a Blue Jay farmhand. He had been, uh, he'd been with the Tigers. The Jays picked him up, pretty much pitched in Syracuse, which is where uh, Jason wasn't born there, but uh, um, Jason grew up in Syracuse, and his dad was a pitcher when he was a little kid for the Syracuse Chiefs, who were the Jays' AAA farm team. A lot of these you know, guys came through Syracuse back in those days. It's Buffalo now. Um, and so Jason Grilly grew up a Toronto Blue Jays fan in Syracuse, New York. His dad was a former Blue Jay, had a cup of coffee with the team, pitched for Syracuse, settled down, bought a bar, Steve Grilly Sports Bar, Syracuse, and that's what he grew up in. So when he came to the Jays in 2016, he, he really wanted to play here. He, you know, there was a certain legacy, and he loved Toronto. And um, I, think he, I think he helped them that year, certainly. 
grilled cheese, had that cheer going, had, you know, wore his heart in his sleeve. I, I kind of liked him. I enjoyed it. He seemed to be enjoying himself, too. So anyway, here's part of my conversation with the man they call Grilled Cheese. Grilly, uh, do you remember your first Major League game? I do. Well, what happened? May 11th, um, 2000. Beat the Big Bad Braves. Uh, I, was a Mar I was a Florida Marlin then, so that dates me, right? I'm a I was a Florida Marlin. Uh, I share the same big league debut as my, my pop, Steve Grilly. So kind of a cool day and uh, beat Kevin Millwood and the Braves, man. It was a great day. You know, you never forget your first one, I guess. Who's the first batter you faced? Was uh, uh, Rafael Fercal. All right. Yeah. And uh, what about a career highlight? Uh, is there one in particular you can... Uh... Oh, man. Um, you know what? Actually, I got two sons, and my favorite picture is with them when I finally made my first All-Star game in New York. I got a picture of them during the Home Run Derby sitting on my lap, just just encompassed, you know, the whole same thing that I had with my dad, just father-son uh, relationship in baseball. Your dad was a Blue Jay. Yes. I remember covering him. Um, did you have any affinity for the Jays when he was with them? Or like yes. the team your dad was on, that was your favorite team? Yeah, growing up, uh, Syracuse Chiefs uh, used to be the affiliate for the Blue Jays. And so I got to see them, whether they be at my dad's sports bar or, uh, you know, just, just going to games and watching them come up through the system. And on the way to Toronto, I used to follow them all the way through. So it was uh, the closest big league park to us in Syracuse as well. So. We used to come up here quite a bit. I still have a, a fondness for the city, and to be a Blue Jay and raise a banner with them was was a cat's meow, man. Yeah, you're a pretty popular guy here. It's, uh, it's uh, you, you really you left, I think, a, a lasting legacy. What, what was it about your relationship with the fans here? Um, I think they just, you know, saw the passion I have and love for the game, love and respect for the game, and I just tried to share that, you know, as they've shared their support for me and my teammates and. Uh, you know, like I said, great people here in Toronto. It was easy, easy, easy mix and, uh, you know, affinity for this, the city and the fans. Toughest opponent you ever had to face? Oh, man. You know, it's it's the guys like the Raphael Fercals and the Dustin Pedroids, the little guys that wear you out, you know. Uh, I'd rather face the guys that try to beat you on one swing as opposed to the guys that make you throw 10 pitches in an inning and one at bat. One of the most difficult things when you're doing an interview is um, when there's extraneous noise, like when the wind is blowing, like in that interview, there's nothing you can do, but you try to shield from the wind and all that. And, you know, there's golfers in the background, whatever. But in that, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. The wind kind of came up there and, and ruined it a bit. But there you go. Mike, you were saying earlier about, you know, uh, the sons of major league players. Well, you know, Steve Grilly pitched in like 1978. Okay, I had a cup of coffee, but there's your father-son baseball relationship. You talk about a bond. I mean, look, your kids, you know, when you take them to soccer or to hockey or whatever it is, you love the sport. You love to see them compete. And they see that. They feel that. And they have the same, you know, in a lot of cases, they love it because you love it. Father-son players who have suited up for the Blue Jays. You have the Grillies. John Mayberry, his son played for the mm -hmm. Jays. That's right, John Is there Mayberry any other Jr. example? Or is that no, it? I okay. can't think of another one. Uh, Jose Cruz did not play for the Jays. Jose Cruz Jr. did. So if you looked at the juniors, but no, I can't think of it. But, you know, you're going to have very shortly. Uh, you're, again, none of these guys... Like none of the players that I mentioned, Cavan Biggio or Bo Bichette or Vladi Jr., their fathers did not play for the Blue Jays. They played in the majors and played very well. Right. Uh, you got two of them are Hall of Famers, for gosh sakes. So that's not bad. You got the sons of two Hall of Famers. Have there ever been uh, an example of a father son suiting up for the Maple Leafs? 
Uh, I can't think yeah, of one, but you... Uh, well, not suiting up together, but you'd had... Ter- well, not together, I mean, at yeah, all. Yeah, Terry Clancy was the son of King Clancy. Oh, okay, good. Uh, that was back in the 70s. Terry played a... Sh- not, I, I played a season or so, um, and mm, that's the only one I can think... Well, I think Charlie... Co- well, let me think about this. Charlie Conacher's son was Pete Conacher, but he didn't play for the Maple Leafs, but Brian Conacher did, and Brian was, Brian was Lionel Conacher's son. So Lionel did not play for the Leafs, and his son Brian did play for the Leafs. I'm impressed, Hibbs. I asked the right guy. Yeah. yeah. I think I've got that correct. I believe I have that correct, that uh, the Conakers, because uh, Roy was a Charlie Conakers' son. Charlie played for the Leafs, of course, uh, one of the great from the kid line, the Maple Leafs. But that's always a good one. It's always good. And now more and more, it's the son. The story with Conacher was the best athlete in that family. There were 10 kids. Lionel was the athlete of the half century in Canada, football player a hockey player, Lionel Conacher's death was one of the strangest deaths that I had ever heard of. He was an MPP. Uh, Sorry, he was an MP, member of parliament. And in Ottawa, he played in the uh, press gallery softball game between the um, members of parliament and members of the press. And the story went like this. Mm -hmm. He drove his car to near where the ballpark was that they played, parked his car, got his spikes out or whatever, rolled up his sleeves, played, hit a crack, a shot to left center field, tried to leg it out for a triple, and before he reached third base, was dead. Died right there. I did not know that. Died. Wow. Third base. Softball game. Next day, they find out that his car had been towed. They didn't know. No one knew that he had left the car there. Guy's dead, and no no one went to pick up the car. So they went and towed the car, and someone said, wait a minute, that's Lionel Conacher's car there. It's just a really odd kind of story. He was only 54, Imagine. And, and physically and fantastic. fit guy, right? Yeah, are yeah. you kidding? Canada's athlete of the half right. century, and then four years later, he dies in a, in a softball game trying to leg a double, trying to stretch a double to a triple, which in some ways is probably the type of a guy he was, you know, where you're just, you know, your mind says, I can make it to third, and your body can't do it. And anyway, so that's, anyway, just a little tidbit there. So that, that would have been, to me, that's the first family of Canadian sports, is the Conacher family. Because if you look at, I mean, you have, um, and in fact, the eldest, uh, and I can't remember her name, but she apparently was the best athlete in, uh, of the whole family, but oh. there were limited opportunities for women back in the early 1900s. This, like, what a family. Um, you know, you've got, and, and the sons and grandsons and uh, nephews of the Conakers, uh, the next level, and, the, and then, then the next, I guess the third generation, and they were all wonderful athletes. How about that? There you go. Very interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. So the sons, so just keep your eye, you know, that surname. You're going to go, hey, are you any relation to? And you're just going to know that. You know, 10 years from now, it's going to Boone, Boone, are you any relation to Mike Boone from Toronto? Mike, oh, yeah. It's my dad. Came to every one of the games, got me the scholarship. He's the reason I'm here today. So that's going to do it for Hebsey on Sports. Thanks for listening, folks. We're brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Wonderful people, spectacular golf. Um, and just, you got to go. Check out their specials at crosswindsgolf.com. The show is produced by Toronto Mike. We'd love to hear your comments. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My handle is Hebsyman, H-E-B-S-Y-M-A-N. Mike's handle is Toronto Mike. And you should subscribe to the Toronto Mike podcast because he has some really good guests. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. So long for now.